Welcome all to episode five of the Raven Gaming Squadcast. We're a group of acquaintances, or dare I say friends, who've gamed together over many years across many platforms and many genres. We get together, discuss our thoughts on the latest news, first impressions on recent games, and some deep thought on a variety of subject matter. This week, we're talking about the COD announcement, GamesCon, Xbox Live and PS Plus monthly games, and what franchises we think should be rebooted. But first, let me introduce you to my fellow Ravens. Guilty, the audio is so rubbish, Gray. <laughs> I mean, thank you. GI, that's bullshit, I shot first, Josie. <laughs> Listen, I'm always first. <laughs> We've got King, how do I shoot, Costi? <laughs> Is it R2 or a right trigger? I can never tell. <laughs> R1, Gosti, it's R1. <laughs> and finally me, a deity. Let's get into it. First up, we're talking about the Call of Duty event and the announcement of uh, Black Ops Cold War. Let's go over to uh, Jose. Do you want to talk us through your thoughts on that? Yeah, so the new uh, Call of Duty reveal was through uh, Modern Warfare Warzone. So like an event similar to uh, Fortnite, how they've been doing their kind of things. Um, it was kind of cool the way they did it, but I feel like they're, you know, they're copying a little bit of Fortnite, which is not a bad thing. The way they've done, done things is quite nice. Um, it's good no, no, nothing wrong right with uh, replicating something that's been successful so far yeah don't, don't get me wrong um, for the way Fortnite do things especially with their events and seasons things like that really really good so I guess there was, it was bound to happen um, that someone kind of jumped on board as well and tried to do what they did it worked you know it, it did really well um, yeah. loads of people loved it I quite liked it for what it was um and it's 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 nice to have it through you know the the franchise that you're actually playing to have it you know watched through that rather than going to a separate place and having to watch that um Absolutely. We, we, we we spoke about this a few uh episodes ago where um it was about you know companies announcing their new games and just doing it on a stage and we and i think it was myself who mentioned they should be t- making this stuff interactive um and this seems like a step in the right direction you know it has, i don't think it's quite gone far enough but it's a, it's a step forward in making an announcement a reveal interactive to the to the customers who are actually going to be playing that game uh do you agree with that guilty gray or do you think something contrary to that yeah i know i agree i think it's baby steps because i suppose you as you know, like AAA developers are less likely to um, jump wholeheartedly into newer things. Uh, I know Epic with Fortnite, they did kind of, they went all in with regards to their, what you could classify as a viral marketing campaign. Um, It's small things launched through the game itself to build and develop that hype. A big developer like Activision has never done something like that. So I suppose this is their kind of dipping their toe into it. I can imagine what we'll probably see is for the next COD, so 2021 COD, there's going to be a huge viral campaign like this again. Um, and they'll go kind of all out. You know, they won't hold back. They'll just 
dive straight in with this idea of it being a, a good way of marketing the game. And I think it's, it's good. I think it's a good thing to do. Perhaps even not too late to do something more. Uh, they've re- announced the game. It was a little bit of an interactive play in Warzone. Um, but the game isn't out yet. They could reveal more through another event. Um, is that something you tune into, uh, Costi? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I never thought of the the them announcing it in-game, which was quite a good thing to do, because I guess every developer has their own platform. So I guess it would be luck of the draw if I was to... I don't necessarily think it would be something that I would like set an alarm for or get up for to watch, but definitely after the fact, I'd probably tune in and see what was being offered and what new would be added to the game uh, for future installments. Yeah, because you... you... You didn't watch this one, did you? No, I, I didn't actually. I, I've got to be honest, I, I missed it. I was just trying to catch up a bit there before the um, before the meeting. I saw a couple of um, a conversation in, in our WhatsApp group where it was kind of back and forth over whether you were going to get it on this um, current gen or next gen and then whether or not that would make you buy a next gen console just so that you could have that game to play next gen as opposed to buying a current gen and then buying again next gen. Is there a reason you didn't tune into it or didn't participate even? I don't know. I think for, for COD games, uh, to be fair, a lot of the times I, I, I get my news from you guys on that type of stuff. It's not, yeah, I don't necessarily personally look into it. I just know that because you lot are interested in that, like kind of like secondhand smoke, I'll get uh, I'll get the uh, yeah. the information in the end in some manner. Contact high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I get a contact high off your love of COD. <laughs> The same for me. I didn't. I didn't participate in this. I knew it was coming. I didn't bother to get on for it. Um, I knew that people would be recording it and put it up as a video. Um, my understanding is you didn't really get anything from being a participant in it. I understand you got a blueprint for some gun. Not a big deal to me. Um, I'm just not that invested anymore in the Call of Duty franchise. I do enjoy playing it, but. I don't really want to go out of my way to just see a little bit of information. Um, I'll wait until there's something more substantial, i.e. gameplay, uh, before making the decision on whether I'll get it. Possibly will likely get it. Um, we spoke about this in the past as well. That it's actually going to be, whether I get it is dictated by who else gets it. If no one else gets it, there's no point in me getting it. There's no one to play with. Is there anything they could have done with this reveal which would have brought you on board? I think the mentality of exclusivity um, still works with the customer base and what I mean by that is you could say that you were there if you participated they should give you something um, I, I mean it depends how far they're willing to go but you know can, can you imagine if they said if you participate in this reveal event you will get a voucher a coupon that gives you 10% off if you pre-order something like that a gun a blueprint in the game by the time you actually engage somebody who's using it or, or whatever, you, you can't tell the difference between one gun and another unless you pick it up and then you can notice it. And even then, how many times do you actually pick up a gun off the floor? It, it wasn't enough to for, for me to want to to jump in. But if they if they offered some some form of prestige exclusivity, um, you know, you, you've taken you've taken part in this event. Here's some discount code for pre-ordering. Um, here's a, a unique calling card emblem something like that i think that may have pushed me a little bit more like okay yeah i'll give it a go does that what make sense the, um, yeah no i agree because 
<clears throat> if you watch the so I didn't do the event at the time it was on at an odd time I was still at work so if you watch it what you have to do basically is you have to complete certain tasks within Warzone in a game and the only a- actual kind of outcome for the game is to complete the tasks to get the end of the um, yeah. the easter egg the end of the easter egg is actually to meet Mason oh no uh, yeah Mason is it Woods no Woods Frank Woods you yes. meet Frank Woods in a location randomly spawned on the on the map now the pre-order bonus for the game is to have Woods as a playable skin in Warzone. To me, it should have been a case of they should have run it for a bit longer and the reward should have been you have that skin as a kind of teaser for, you know, here you go, here's a skin. Instead of saying pre-order and you get the skin, participate in this viral campaign and you get it. Also, if you pre-order, you get it. So you don't yeah. have to go out and pre-order. You can actually just participate in this kind of thing and become yeah. one of those people who has the skin, who's that prestige of going, I have the skin because I went and I, you know, I did it. I found it in the game. And that yeah. would have been good. It would have built a, a bit more hype than just the average, yeah. oh, you go pre-order and you get all this. Uh, I, think, I think some could argue um, quite rightly that, well, if they're giving away something like that to anybody who participates, surely it diminishes the the idea of a, a prestige item or um you know uh, a skin or something like that and yes to some degree um but this is, again it's a step forward from just here's here's a blueprint for a gun that nobody else is going to really be able to tell um it's unlikely that people are going to be using it in the format that it was given to them they'll customize it a little bit more next up we're talking gamescon um I know, uh, Guilty, you've been tuning into that substantially. Do you want to talk us through some of the, the highlights you've noted, or even lowlights? Well, I, I, I tuned into yesterday's one, which was, I think they classified as ONL, so um, Opening Night Live. Um, it was a two-hour live stream um, format. But weirdly enough, Gamescom has taken a different stance to all the other ones at the moment, where they've done, they're doing it over um, multiple days. So Open Night Live was yesterday, Tonight, there was one which I think that um, Jose had a quick look at, so he might be able to go over some stuff from that. And tomorrow is the Indie Games um, Showcase. But um, from what I, what I can gather from yesterday's ONL, it's a bit of a lackluster appearance, to be fair. Um, I've got notes down on all the games that were launched, and these are just the ones that kind of piqued my interest. And even that, there's quite a small amount of um, a game, Scarlet Nexus, which looked kind of like Code Vein, if anyone knows what that is. Yeah. Uh, Quantum Error, which looked like a horror shooter. That looked quite interesting. Uh, Dirt 5, which I know Jose is very excited for. Um, Unknown 9, uh, which looks quite good. I think it's going to be an anthology-type game, similar to um, Man, of Busan, um, Man of Busan and those kind of games, the Dark um, Anthology. Uh, Bioware talked about Dragon Age. We didn't really show much, just much more concept than anything else. There's a yeah. big expansion coming for Doom Eternal. Uh, then they went on to show things like <sighs> Surgeon Simulator 2, Bridge Constructor, The Walking Dead, Sam and Max, VR. Uh, they showed an expansion for WoW, which I thought was a bit of a weird one. Um, Crash Bandicoot 4. Yeah, a lot of the games they showed. Little Nightmares 2, um, well, WWE Battlegrounds. Have they showed anything? They, did they show Destiny? I mean, we don't play it, but Destiny Two. The yeah, um... they showed quite a substantial amount of Destiny Two, the new um, expansion for that. Yeah. To be honest with you, I'm so I'm so disinterested in Destiny that it just went straight over my head. None of it was interesting yeah, news yeah. to me. 
Um, they showed a medal of honor VR game, and really, truly, that was pretty much it. They also tried to, I don't know why, host an award ceremony during it. I think melding the game awards with Gamescom. Hmm. But the, the thing I couldn't understand is that all of the awards that were won were games that weren't even out till next year. So I don't know how they can be winning game, winning awards. Oh, that's that's yeah, so I I saw the game on the Switch. I think Switch game of the year was Little Nightmares 2, which comes out next year. Uh, uh, Star Wars, uh, the Squadron, the new uh, shooting, flying right, shooting right. game, won an award. That's not out until next month. So I was a bit like, hmm. I don't really know what they're playing at here. They didn't seem to know what they were doing. Uh, they did have a very funny point where they showed gameplay of Godfall, the new um, looter hacker game. And it was about five minutes of footage of a guy rolling, slashing something, rolling again, and then it stopped. Uh, so yeah. I don't really know if they were having technical difficulties, but it was a bit of a shit show. To be fair. Yeah. We spoke about this again few episodes ago um where it just seems to be events where the industry can go on a stage and say look at this amazing thing we're working on but well we sorry we can't show you anything substantial towards it um i have i don't tune into these my opinion on the matter is unless it's interactive or they're showing us actual gameplay of some substance it's not worth tuning in um, on the on the when I had a f- five minutes earlier, I just had checked out some of the videos. Um, the the uh, a game that would interest me, for example, was the Star Wars Squadrons. I've seen a three and a three and a half minute video, and it's like almost no gameplay. It's all kind of like cinematic. Yeah. And what does look like gameplay, in my opinion, looks so heavily orchestrated that. I get the sense it's not going to be representative of the game. Yeah, I, the, the, these kind of events, I just don't tune into them anymore. Um, how about yourself, King Costi? Do you uh, did you tune into any of it? I saw some stuff, but after the fact, like I, I saw the Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, for, yeah. not well, not Inquisition, Dragon Age Four, whatever they're going to name call it. Um, I mean, it was interesting, but yeah, it was more of like a, a developer's diary video where they're telling you about the new stuff they're going to be able to make but not showing you the new stuff they're able to make but then telling you that it's on either way i'm 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 excited for dragon age which is which is one thing i saw hitman 3 which was um once again i mean these things interest me but like you're saying there's no there's not substantial gameplay and it's not not to bring up uh, again last week when we did the the black myth wukong but like that's what traders need to be. They need, there needs to be something substantial in there to, to to hook you when there's nothing there. And especially when it seems like a lot of the stuff they were talking about, we've already heard about when we did the Sony and Microsoft conferences a couple of weeks ago. And a lot of it just seems to be recycled. And it's kind of like the same thing I feel whenever we go to EGX. We go to EGX and I go, oh, they're peddling the same trailer they showed at E3 and then Gamescon. And then, and it just, just seems to be a circuit that they do. But, when you're showing the same stuff or not showing anything with any depth, it can get frustrating because uh, you're just kind of left with lots of questions and sometimes you just want to be shown something, anything, is is where I stand with a lot of this stuff. But yeah, there, there wasn't enough shown as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Do you think that could be due to our age somewhat and how long we've been playing games and how many times we've seen these kind of reveal trailers and stuff like that, uh, G.I. Josie? Yeah, I think we've we've had things really good in the past. Like we've had it too good, and I think now we expect more. 
So it's like Costi was saying, like, you know, we've seen a lot of E3s and things like that. And then when we go to EGX, it's the same thing over again. And it's like, okay, maybe next year it's going to be good. And it isn't. And then, oh, maybe next year it's going to be good. Um, and it's not. Um, even like, you know, you were talking earlier about um, you, you know, falling out of love with Call of Duty and not really having the same energy for it. I remember us queuing, like, Novembers or whenever the yeah. release dates were, and it was freezing. We would queue for a midnight queue yeah. until like one, two in the morning. I remember that um, one. Outside so blockbuster video. Outside so blockbuster video. Yeah, man, we were loving it. You know, we were loving it. We, we all we were going from is a trailer, and nowadays we see a trailer and it's not good enough for us anymore. Maybe because we've been burnt too many times, you know, through other companies. Maybe like Ubisoft, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so now we kind of want to see more before yeah. we kind of, you know, put our money down for, you know, for something else. I know you don't pre-order games anymore until you see, until the games come out and you see actual gameplay and actual reviews from player base rather than, you know, um, critics online or whatever, which is probably the way that I'll be going forward, to be honest. Um, I mean, saying that, the, the, the Call of Duty reveal, of um, Black Ops Cold War is quite nice. Treyarch are really good at what they do anyway. It's one of the good ones from Call of Duty um, developing teams. Um, so, yeah, I think we've had it really good. And it's just tough. It's tough now to kind of get that audience engaged again they, the way that they used to. Um, but, you know, these events like Call of Duty event is probably the way forward that they're doing it, changing yeah. it up maybe, seeing what happens, see what works, see what doesn't work. But this Gamescom is a bit boring, to be honest. Yeah, I think you raised an interesting point about the expectations raising. Um, and I don't necessarily see it that way. As time progresses, so too should the evolution of the product that you're supplying. You can't mm. rely on these same old tropes and wheeling yeah. out the same orchestrated or very carefully selected and cut out cinematics. It doesn't work anymore. Nobody really cares um yeah. on the whole i would say and you can see it. i don't know how many how much time you spend reading through gaming reddits or whatever it may be um but i do see a very disillusioned impression about gaming companies um people tend to get really hyped over the smaller studios um because they're they really care about the product now don't get mm. me wrong i'm not saying those big companies don't necessarily care about their product but you get the sense more so from smaller studios that they need and want this to be successful. And therefore, they're going to engage with you to a higher level than those companies, for example, who um, are making something like the next Call of Duty. We, we've got an announced trailer recently done. Um, we'll have a bit of a beta, um, you know, in the next month or so. But how many opinions did they really ask for in the run up while they were developing the game? Probably not very many. They may have had yeah. some uh, some testers or some people come in and give their impressions about the game. But again, it's a very small and select um, group of people that would give feedback on, on the next Call of Duty, right? We just, we will get the game and that will be it. We either like it or we don't. Do you think maybe it's partly because the developing teams that were so back in the day, like Modern Warfare developing teams, then went off and did... Um... <sighs> Jesus Christ, what's my what's the game? Titanfall. Yeah, they've gone off and you know re, 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 re as respawn, 
and did Titanfall, and they did really well yeah. with that. Titanfall 2 didn't do too well. I think that went under the radar. That's a great, great game, and it does actually need uh, a Titanfall 3, so to speak. But maybe I think that's probably where um, Halo, where Halo's going wrong. You know, the developers 343, they released their gameplay reveal for the Xbox Series X. It didn't go down too well. And now all of a sudden, uh, Joseph Staten, uh, one of the developers for the first, you know, Halos uh, 1, 2, and 3, they're now bringing him back to um, to redo all the characters, the story, and all the cutscenes. Mm. I think that's that's what I think that's the problem here. All the old developers team that actually cared about the games, uh, where they've gone off, the new teams have come in and don't. Of course, they care because it's you know it's their livelihood. It's what they do every day. But I think there's no there's it's no their baby. behind it. Exactly, it's not yeah. theirs. It's not their game. It's just they're carrying it on for someone else. No passion. And where you get those indie games those smaller companies, you're just talking about their passion because it is their game from the ground up, so to yeah. speak. And I think that's probably mainly one of the problems that's going on here. Everyone's moving on developers-wise and going off to different teams. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking in very generalized terms, right? That, oh, mm. they don't care or, um, you know... I don't think it's a case of not caring. Them. They just don't care as much. Yeah. It's not realistic for for a company to go out there and ask for feedback across millions of people, or maybe it is. Um, an it's example... like rebooting a movie series in in some cases, <laughs> yeah. or like it it reminds me of um, Metal Gear Solid. I, I love Metal Gear Solid to death, but you know Hideo Kojima left, and then they released another one like Metal Gear Survival or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could care less about it, and that's 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 terrible because I love Metal Gear. But it was also shit. <laughs> it, it was shit and basically it was here we have this what, template five. make something with it yeah mm. I think if you look at it right all of the stuff that was announced and has been announced in any of the, the latest ones could easily have just been a list that was posted online yeah and you could just look for it and go oh that sounds interesting you don't yeah. need to watch a two hour reveal with 15 minutes of each of these games where you you, you see nothing and nothing's good yeah I, I do think that these things can be won by having the reveal of something that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. That is amazing. If they had shown, say for instance, Gamescom was on last night and they shown Black Myth Ghost. Yeah. That would have been like, wow, okay. That's, that would have stolen the show. And it yeah. would have made you feel like it was worthwhile you coming on board and being there to see this. Um, but what they're doing is they're just revealing all these really small things from small studios, but you don't need to reveal them in this way. You don't need this big regalia to show these small things. You can just send me, send out a list. Here's the things yeah. that are coming. Here's yeah. what you might I think like. developers, they're, they're doing their own things now. I think they're going away from these big showcases, you know, like Xbox and PlayStation have got their own events. Even Nintendo have had, got their own events. So they're kind of moving away from like E3 and stuff. And I think that's what the developers are doing now. Like that gameplay um, that you guys covered uh, last week, that was already shown pre-Gamescon. Uh, yeah. Well, not even on Gamescom because there's no point. It was already shown prior to that. Yeah. Even gameplay from like the medium and things like that, it's already been shown by the developer. So there's, by the time Gamescom comes around or like E3 or anything else, there's nothing else to show because it's all been seen already. It's all, it's, that's the problem with and you know all the social media that we have there's so much things that we have to hand to put out what we want people to see that by the time it comes to a manned event um there's nothing else to reveal there's nothing there because it's all been seen already um yeah i think everyone's just going off in their separate ways 
Yeah. It's just the nature of evolving marketing, isn't it? Yeah. They have their own platforms that they can um, use now, as opposed to having to use somebody else's platform. And that's why these big conferences and shows no longer have the weight behind them they used to. Yeah, because everyone's got an Instagram or a YouTube channel or a Facebook page they can post stuff up on. And then that's it. They've got instantaneous access to everyone in the world who has that same platform. Great topic, great topic. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus uh, monthly games pass. Uh, G.I. Jose. Yeah, so as always, um, every month uh, with Xbox Live Gold subscribers, they get um, a mix of freebie games, usually two Xbox Ones, um, an Xbox 360 game. Sometimes they're throwing an old Xbox game in there. Um, so next month's game from um, September is Tom Clancy's Division, uh, which we all played. We loved that. We, um, you know, we smashed that out to the end, um, even with <laughs> Division 1. Yeah, even with DLCs and things like that. Um, really good game. Uh, if no one's ever played it, it's going to be quite good to pick up. Um, you've got an old 360 game called D Blob 2. I remember seeing that back in the day. Never really played it, uh, to be honest. Um, there's another one called The Book of Unwritten Tales 2, which is like a point and click adventure game. Um, and then there's an original Xbox, which is called Armed and Dangerous. So there's quite a, a nice mix of games there. I quite like that they've got. Um, older games from Xbox generation. Um, yeah, how, how much is that setting you back? That. None, free. It's, it's, I mean, it's not free, so to speak, because you're paying for um, Xbox Live Gold. But um, they don't have to do these kind of things, so it's quite nice to have uh, these games onto hand throughout the month of September. Um, and obviously, you still got other games towards the end of this month that um, are still there and available to play before it's uh, replaced. So, like an added bonus. Um, hey, it's like an added bonus. Yeah, like an added bonus. They don't have to do it, but it's nice to have there, um, especially for people that have got you know nostalgia and they've played those games, but they don't have the discs anymore and things like that, or it's not on Game Pass. Maybe um, it's quite nice to have that in the background. Do you think it's authentic that it adds? additional value to your to your subscription you've mentioned a few um, games and the idea that you would actually get around to playing those i find that doubtful yeah there's a couple of times since i've had xbox live gold which is going on literally from the beginning i've had xbox live gold and it's probably about maybe two or three times that there's a game on xbox live golds extras that I've gone, oh, actually, yeah, I wouldn't mind playing that. Actually, I can't wait for it to come out and then I play it. Um, but yeah, for the past, I don't know, few years, it's not really been, nothing's really been on there that I quite like. Um, but, is it, you know, there's, is it there's people one out there. Division two? It's Division 1. Ugh, that's old. Yeah, and that's the problem that they have. A lot of the times, they are games that have, you know, been and gone. Uh, for a long time you know it's not even like it's last year's game there's divisions like what maybe three or four years I don't know so put that. into context the reason I didn't finish the division is because Aaron was born the day after boy yeah oh oh yeah I remember that yeah yeah so, so it's four years old over four years old yeah it's a long long time mm. didn't have time to get into it um, but that's Xbox Xbox is um, 
you know, games games with gold for September. Now I've got PlayStation's lineup. Um, they don't do a lot of games every month. They only do two. Sometimes they get away with three. But um, September's games for uh, PlayStation Plus is Street Fighter Five, uh, which obviously, as everyone knows, is a, a fighting game. Uh, it's quite nice 3D art style that they've uh, changed up from old school um, Street Fighter. And on top of that as well, they do have Street Fighter Five PS4 tournaments starting on the September 4th um, in the US and Canada only, though. It's a bit unfortunate for anyone that's living outside of US and Canada. But yeah, there's a nice little tournament there that um, if these people with PlayStation Plus pick up Street Fighter Five, they can also get involved with the tournament for free as well. Um, and then the second game that they have is PUBG or Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, as we all know. Mm. Um, so I know on the Xbox side, <laughs> PUBG has had a lot of updates. Um, and recently it has, well, it does play much better than it did day one. Um, I mean, it could only have gotten better, to be honest, because day one PUBG was atrocious, so to speak. Um, and I know we do jump on it every now and then, go back, see what it's like. Um, it does feel better. It's a slower game um, compared to you know, Warzone, so to speak, or even um, Black Ops 4 Blackouts uh, um, version that they had. So it's a slower game. It's quite nice. Um, so I can only imagine PUBG on a PS4 has got the same updates. So yeah, check check that one out. That's a nice nice little um, nice little uh, addition to uh, PS Plus. Yeah. Any of these games whetting your appetite, King Costi? You gonna you gonna go away and download any of them? When Joe said Division for a minute there, I was like, oh yeah, that was good fun. But then when realised it was one and not two, probably not. I mean, here's the thing with with, with the PlayStation Plus and even with some of the Xbox ones, I, I have a tendency to add the game to my library thinking oh yeah i'll play that later uh and i've probably got like 150 games on my library from like from every month every month when there's playstation plus i literally go into playstation plus i add it to my library that way i don't have to download it but now it's in my library i can download it whenever i want and it's it's a rarity that a game actually there's a game that i add to my library that i then download and play i mean don't get me wrong there there are yeah. sometimes that happens i think they did um I'm trying to think what game they did recently. I want to say, did they do Hollow Knight? Or maybe I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken about that. Maybe that was on Gold or might have been on... Um, that was on Games of Gold. That was on Games of Gold, wasn't it? Uh, which is which was good. And that's where I first started playing that. But yeah, no, it generally it's just one of those things where I add it and then I forget about it. Um, every so often there's a good yeah. one. If, if there's a multiplayer, if they put something out that's multiplayer, that is, is just a, a small fun game like um, Bomberman. Did we we got Bomberman on on Games for Gold, didn't we? Yeah, yes, I think. Yeah, 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 we did. That that was good fun. That was something we downloaded and played there. And I, I wouldn't mind jumping back on that for like a game or two. That was actually there. really fun. Yeah, let's play, let's play it now. Yeah, old, <laughs> old school Bomberman, though, not the remake. No, no, that one we one. bought. That was, that was weird. Uh, yeah, that was odd. Epic Game Store does something similar. You don't have to be a member, uh, in so far as having to pay some kind of subscription. As long as you've got an account, but you, every Thursday they rotate through some free free games. Uh, so, as an example, uh, this week up until um, next Thursday, you can get Hitman, the uh, the latest one, 2016, I think it was uh, released, uh, as well as uh, something called the Shadow Run Collection. Um, none of us really played those 
uh, but it's a series of games. Um, wouldn't have to pay for them. But I've been I've been logging into the Epic Game Store, uh, reclaiming them, claiming them for free, but never really actually downloading any of them to play. Yeah, I, I do that quite a bit. I da- download them just to have them. Um, don't really don't really play them, but I know that they're there in the background. Kind of, yeah. I do that quite a lot with uh, games of gold. If I think that I'm going to, you know, slightly play it or whatever, but I've, I've just got such a crazy collection of games that I need to finish off that I never really get onto it. Is there anything else on the topic of the Xbox Live slash PlayStation Plus monthly games pass before we move on to our star topic this week? I mean, I used to think it was better originally when they launched it because I think the games were more substantial. I find that now they're just launching games that are super old and no one really cares about anymore. So it seems to be pointless, but it is the way of it because you know it's not it's not a practical business model, and I'm guessing it's down to the developers and the publishers if they I think they have to allow it to be allowed on there for free. Mm. Um, so if they don't agree to it, they're not going to agree to their latest games, are they? So do you think that's going to happen with Game Pass? They're pushing Game Pass really hard now. So do you think I don't know four or five years down the line it's not going to be as good as it is now? Could be, depending on how much money the developers are making, or the, say the publishers more than the developers, depending on how much money the publishers are making off of those, off of that deal, if they're mm. not making enough money, they will, they'll just, they'll stop it, and it will absolutely, um, uh, it will just, yeah, it will, it will derail the entire Games Pass experience. Yeah, yeah. I think Games Pass is taking over in some ways. It was funny actually. I remember I think I asked you Joe a couple of weeks ago about the concept of if a game gets announced. That, as coming out on Game Pass, does that diminish its value regardless of how big it is? And I think maybe that's kind of what happens here as well. Once they add a game, regardless of how old it is, once they add it for free, you kind of look at it and go, yeah. Is it as good as yeah, it? Yeah, I know what you, I know what was, you mean, yeah. There's, there's theoretically no value to it because you're like, well, it's there if I want it. So I, there's no rush to go out and get it and play it on day dot because it's just there. Yeah. They've probably done some sort of work around the analytics of it of, how many games are worth the money and how many aren't and which of those games are being played and which aren't. Mm. But there's probably a, if you look on the actual games pass of all the games on there you'll play, there's probably about, I'd say a maximum of about seven games that you'd actually play, which are big AAA games. The rest are all pretty much indies. And you'll probably mm. find that a lot of those are from developers that are owned by Microsoft directly. So Microsoft yeah. is spending its own money to kind of make money through the games pass, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Our final topic of the episode is uh, franchise reboots, and if there are any that we believe or feel should be rebooted. Uh, let's start with uh, King Costi. I, w- I was thinking, and for for the majority of the week, I was coming in here, and I was going to say uh, Onimusha. Um, <laughs> and but then, but then I got to today, and I thought, you know what? There's there's a game that I still play that came out like. I don't even know. I feel like it's ten years now, and they, they've, they've, they've gone away from it. And I'd really, I really wish they would come back to the series. And that's Fight Night, the Fight Night series by EA. Oh yes, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> because the thing is, UFC used to be made by THQ, and that was the game, that was their game developer. And once that contract ran out, then you know EA came in because UFC got big and popular, and they started making the UFC game. The UFC games are okay, but the biggest problem I have with them is that they essentially kept the same button mapping that they had in the original THQ games. And I thought, why are you doing that? You developed this really good system in Fight Night where you use the analog sticks to move to throw punches. It it, it just, it feels like uh, 
I don't know if anybody here likes sports games or not that I would necessarily even say it's a sports game. It leans more towards being a fighting game. But just Joe will, will attest to this. The way that game worked was brilliant. And they completely mm. and utterly have shoved it in the dark for the last 10 years just so they can mm. make UFC games. And the UFC games are okay, but they're not great. Fight Night was great. Like, it was it was mm. literally... Guilty Grey, Guilty Grey played it played it with us. Yeah? Oh. Um, a few years ago, Dino, years ago, I remember st- staying up late and we were doing, like, Muhammad Ali fights and things like that. Because I remember. Um, but that's, oh, that yeah. was, like, a long, long, long time ago. But I think the problem is, Costa, is um, not to you know bad mouth but it's ea it's like a re- it's just they reskin every single one of their games they're just reskin it that's why ufc feels the same that's why battlefield feels the same every every game that they have it's, it's like a reskin and part of me hopes that they don't pick up fight night and get someone else to do it because otherwise i feel like it's gonna be another i mean they can't reskin it it's been so old now that they need to do something new but like you said they need to keep that um analog stick controls in there because that when the when Fight Night One came out or even two as well, it's just it was like revolutionary for the for, for the fighting genre, especially the boxing. It's just amazing. The way it works is just amazing. I think I think that's the thing that annoys me is that I know that this is a it's it's a political thing and it's also a money thing because if if you have a deal with the UFC, you can't make a boxing game because boxing is essentially the rival of UFC in some senses. And then there's the fact that prior to you getting the licensing for the UFC, you made your own MMA game. And the the controls you used for that were the fight night controls. And then you mm. just decided to completely and utterly like, I have no problem with using face buttons for, for fighting games, but like I say, once you played Fight Night and you know how it works, swapping back over to pressing a face button just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel as innovative as using the sticks and the full motion punches and the, the being able to weave and punch at the same time as opposed to like... Yeah. The one thing I hate about the UFC game is you can't move forward or backwards and throw a, a jab. A jab only works by pressing the button by itself. If you press forward and yeah, Unless button, you do a Superman punch. Yeah, you press forward and something, <laughs> he, he throws a hook. You press back, he throws an uppercut. If you press it by himself, it's a jab. So there's no distance control in the game either. So it's 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 it becomes... That's something they just need to work on. But no, the, the fight night games, I, I, I'm hoping they come back. Like my, my 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 hope is that the UFC are trying to start up a boxing company. If they're trying to start up a boxing company, the fact that they had Joshua and um, Fury as downloadable characters in the new UFC game gave me hope. And I'm thinking, well, why would they do that if maybe they aren't working on a fight now on the side? But we just have to wait and see, to be fair. That, that is one I'd like to see. And, and you know what? Well, and then you get like someone like Conor McGregor in Fight Night. Could do. Imagine <laughs> Conor McGregor. Floyd, uh, Floyd Mayweather's retired now. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't mind yeah. some endorsement money for being put in a video game. You know, like like how much are you going to get paid they off Yeah, they give him five mil just to take his face and put him on a, yeah. <laughs> a couple pixels. You know, it's it's literally the, the way it is. Like People, are, if, if there's a market for it, and I think the market is coming back slowly. Um, yeah, fighting, just, for, fight, uh, for boxing, yeah, it's definitely coming back. Yeah, not just in gaming, but in general. I think they, they've done a lot more recently and... Especially in the especially in the UK, it seems to be a lot better put together nowadays. It seems like the U, but this is this is just going into boxing in general. Uh, but it kind of plays into the fact of of why a game hasn't been released in a while. When when there are so when 
so many companies are, are, are fractured and they can't come together. There's not like one individual company you can go to and say, hey, can we have the rights for your fighters to make a game? Mm. It's individuals. Any other franchise reboots that you have uh, up your sleeve, King Costi? Um, you got a vest on. Yeah, I haven't got nothing up these sleeves, mate. Um, no, the the only the only one, honestly, would be um, would be Onimusha, and the the only reason I actually say that is that it's not something that I crave much anymore because they've done Ghost of Tsushima, Nayo, Sekiro, a lot of these games that are all based in similar time periods, um, similar places in the world. So it, it kind of feels that samurai game need that I want. But seeing yeah. what they did with um, Resident Evil Two. I would be really interested to see what happens if they were to do a remake of the Onimusha games, not necessarily um, make an Onimusha 4, for example, but if they would take Onimusha 1, 2, 3, um, and just do straight remakes similar to what they did with uh, Resident Evil, I think that would be really cool. That would be good, actually. I don't know if it would work very well with the melee combat, but I can imagine it would be pretty decent. Great. Let's go over to uh, Guilty Grace, since you were talking. What about yourself? Any uh, franchise reboots that you want to see and why? There's only one on my mind that has to be remade. It's, um, it doesn't have to really be a franchise in general. It could be either one as well. It could be. It wouldn't even need to be a reboot. It could be rekindling because it's a franchise that never really got a, a particular end. But it's the Legacy of Kane series. Mm. Um, I played Legacy of Kane Blood Omen back when it was first released, and and we were, I mean, we were ten when the game was released. It was released in 1996, um, and it. It was an amazing game. I don't know if any of you actually played the original. So, I mean, a lot of people, their jumping in point for the Legacy of Kane was Soul Reaver, which was the uh, sequel-ish to Blood Omen. I, I, I remember us playing that yours yeah. years ago. I remember you smashing that one up. Yeah, so that was... So Soul Reaver was the sequel, but it, was, it wasn't at the same time. So Blood Omen did have a sequel. So there's Blood Omen 1, Blood Omen 2, Soul Reaver, Soul Reaver 2, and then a game called Defiance as well. And they take place in the same timeline, but with different stories. So Legacy of Kane follows Kane, Soul Reaver follows Raziel, and then Defiance was the two of them coming together. Um, and the original game is very, very much a massive departure from from what you get in Soul Reaver. It wasn't a 3D uh, third-person hack-and-slash action RPG. It was an isometric top-down slashing RPG. And the storyline was immense. If you've never played it, the lore in the game was really, really intense, really, really deep. Uh, you played as Kane, who dies right at the beginning of the game. And he's basically tasked by this dark deity to return to um, Earth and seek vengeance from those who killed him. And in doing so, they turn him into a vampire. And basically, it's just him in this world, going around, fucking shit up, basically. And, you know, you develop loads of powers, you could turn into this massive wolf and run around ripping people to shreds. You could turn into mist. You had to drink the blood of your victims to stay alive and it used to refill your gauge for when using your powers. It was, yeah, if you've never played it, I'd advise finding a copy if you can and going back and playing it. But if it got, you know, a full 3D remake and they turned it into a full 3D action RPG game, it would it'd be amazing. It'd also be fucking huge because it was a very long game, but I'd love to play it. And I'd play it forever. Forever, never, never, never. And that's what I want. I want that game now. It's a good choice. I remember playing I remember having it on PC and then kind of getting caught up in the, the Soul Reaver. And then I, I'm sure they did I'm sure the second 
Kane game was 3D, if I remember it correctly. Like it was on it was. PS2, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blood Omen 2 was 3D. It wasn't as good as Blood Omen 1. Um, because I think they tried to wind it in with Soul Reaver. So there were two different timelines and they tried to mix them together because the ending of Blood Omen 1, if you took one ending, it went to Soul Reaver. If you took another, it went to Blood Omen 2. And that's kind of how it worked. And then there was like some sort of converging of timelines and stuff. Um, it was ambitious with the story. And I think they could easily make more games in the in the line. And if you played Soul Reaver, you'd know that there's like, the, the lore in Blood Omen was rich. You get to Soul Reaver and basically they don't really show you it, but they imply the lore between Blood Omen and Soul Reaver. And the world that's created by Cain after Blood Omen is mad. You know, he, he has all these vampire children and each of the children develops different types of powers, which then creates different types of vampires. So Raziel has wings, so his kin would have would be flyer flying vampires and one developed like spider-like appendages over time and they became spider type vampires and stuff like that and you don't really see much of them there's kind of hints of them in there some of them are you know the enemies in the game but you could easily set a game in between the two and it would be around the world that Kane, like the evolution of Kane's world and how these vampires kind of came into existence i'd play that nice nice gi jose um i've got a couple um oh, yeah not only a couple I need to be honest I don't rem- I remember them being great so I'm not going to go into detail of them but what I want to do uh, I do want to say is there's a lot of remakes um that have been happening instead of like HD remakes which they used to do back in the day now they're doing like complete remakes like the Mafia is coming out number one um which uh, myself and Costi played they were great games and the new one that they that they've remade from the ground up looks amazing um, that's coming out soon. Obviously, Tony Hawk's one and two. We all uh, grew up with that. That's a complete remake. Um, so I'm glad they've done that one as well. Um, GamesCon as well. There was an announcement for another game called Observer, which they've um, done a complete remake for the next gen. So Observer Redux. Um, that looks amazing. So I think when they're done right, um, it's it's nice to see. Um, you know, when it's done properly, rather than just like an HD upscale kind of thing. Um, what I do want to see is possibly like a remake of Metal Gear Solid 1 just because when that game came out and I was I just remember playing that at my cousin's house just so many things like mind-blowing even just the gameplay um, the visual back then you know the visuals were really really good Um, and just the way that the game played out the way that you had to like tune into the into the radio you had to look at the back of the box you had to kind of play into that the way the characters read your memory card and they kind of, you know, they knew what you were playing just brings back a lot of memories. So I wouldn't mind um, a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake. I know there's you know, a couple of people out there that tried to do a remake through, um, what is it, the, the PlayStation thingy, Gosti? There's a game where you can make other games on the oh. PS4. Dream. Is it Dream? No. Yeah, I think no, someone's dream. making like a remake through Dreams or whatever. And it just, it looks good. Even through that, it looks really, really good. So, um, yeah, hopefully, we could, you know, Kojima gets back on board and maybe does, you know, a nice remake um, to today's standards. That would be great. Um, the other one, I, I just remember being a great game when I was playing it. Right now, off the top of my head, I can't remember like certain things, but... It's uh, Siphon Filter 1 and 2. Yes. Um, they were 
they were great games, man, when they came out. Like, you know, almost similar to Metal Gear, just the espionage and things like that. Um, again, the gameplay on that and just just what it was, it, it, it just brings back a lot of memories. And I think that's, that's what I kind of want. Um, it's just to have those memories again. You know, that there's so many games out there that people want just just to have that nostalgia again of you know this is what games used to be this is what we've fell in love with um yeah. and, and you know then not a lot of developers are doing that and there's a few people out there that are going off and doing it themselves someone's tried to redo goldeneye um and they recently got a cease and desist letter so yeah. what about that's upsetting that? Yeah, it's it's upsetting because it's like, obviously the demand is there, but they don't want to do it. Um, so people yeah. try and do it themselves, um, and they just get shut down. I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, it's it's obviously demand is there, so just just bring it out, man. This is this is just bring out the games that we've you know made us fall in love with games in the first place, and just bring back you know that, that nostalgia. So yeah, for me, it's those two: Metal Gear One and Siphon Filter. They were great. I think what you've just touched on there is exactly the reason why I've noted down that I don't think any franchise or game should be rebooted. Now, remastered is a different matter, mm. uh, bringing it to, you know, re-releasing it with um, increased fidelity. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. Or bug fixes. Um, don't think there are any franchises or games that should be remade. And the reason for that is, they hold a special place in, in, in your history, in, in, in your mind, in your heart, because of what they were at the time. The idea that you're somehow going to recapture that now. I've played many a game that's been um, you know, redone, and it does rekindle that, that feeling from back when you first played it, but it's just not quite the same. Mm. Um, Do you so think I it's because think visually it doesn't look the same? And you're, you're, you know, you're used to playing it in a certain way? Could be, could be. I think. I think. I don't think it's any one thing. I don't I think it's. I don't think it's the visuals. I think a lot of the time it's a lot of the enjoyment you get from playing these old games is the way they handle. Mm, they weren't yeah. smooth as butter. As, yeah, they you always missed the jump. Janky. Yeah, <laughs> but when they released them, yeah. like if you look at, sorry to jump in there, Rob, but if you look at the Resident Evil ones, they the controls are different. You no, know? it's not got the tank controls anymore. It's not got the yeah. static camera anymore. It's not. It yeah. loses a bit of his atmosphere through that. The four-way control they were doing. Yeah, so I think that that's the thing is when you want, if you want a true uh, remaster nowadays, I think they believe they have to update the controls as well as the graphics. But I don't always think that's, yeah. that's necessary. I think you can easily do it with overhauled graphics, but keep the controls the same, maybe, or at least have an option yeah. to keep the controls the same for those who want to play in that exact same way. Yeah. Um, I think Tony Hawk's does that the remake that you can you can have the controls as the originals or the new ones. So Sold. yeah, hopefully that hopefully that will carry on to other games. It's the graphics, um, vis the visuals are probably not super important, but but they correct a lot of the bugs that happened the first time around. Some of them were funny, and and I remember playing um, Perfect Dark. Oh yeah, on the N sixty four. And some of the best, game. most enjoyable times I had on that was when there was a bug and it was just like people's faces were missing. I was like, oh, that's really good. That's really funny. And, you know, if they ever re-released it and fixed the bugs, you, you miss those little, those moments. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a throwback. It's even like if, if they were to reboot um, or if they were to remaster GoldenEye now, you know for a fact that if they did it, they wouldn't put Odd Job as like two foot tall. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. So you wouldn't get that. OP. Frustration <laughs> trying to shoot him and <laughs> miss him every Two time. <laughs> the original <laughs> drop shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but having said that, having said I wouldn't want to really see us in a position where they reboot franchises or re-release games um, other than some, you know, select remasters for games that really changed gaming history. I do think they should have some more um, types of uh, games from a very specific genre. And that's, I, I don't really know what, what to describe it about, but the storytelling genre, the action adventure type game. So if I said to you guys, Fahrenheit or otherwise known as hmm. Indigo Prophecy, yeah. We we played that and that was like we that blew our minds. It was a it was it was a really crazy story, but it was done so well. I uh, I didn't play um, what was it? It was on the PlayStation. Um, Heavy Rain. And it was like Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain that's the one. Yep. I didn't play that uh, because I never had a PlayStation. Um, but it would be the type of game that I would enjoy playing. That was a good game. It, it was a really good game, Heavy Rain. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you just said that and i just literally got pictures of me walking through a shopping mall with balloons yeah <laughs> yeah so more more games of that type where i don't necessarily always want to be an active participant i would want to dip in and out like some you know quick quick time kind of stuff but a story that plays out and the choices that you go through change what you do Jason. <laughs> and having said that, uh, Indigo Prophecy, uh, otherwise known as Fahrenheit, did go through some uh, a remaster. Mm. Um, it did, didn't it? It wasn't that recent, though. Yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah, I don't remember the time off the top of my head. And I did replay it a bit. And I did. Re- it, it was the case of, like, you know what? I remember really enjoying this game. I still enjoy it, but it's not the same the second time around. So I want a fresh experience. 2005. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, the re-release I think came out. The remastered came out in uh, 2016. Yeah. On PlayStation, was 2016. Do you think maybe they should just leave the games as they are then? So, so you're not just like you know. Imagine if they made an Onimusha now, Costi, a remake, and then you played it and you went, "Oh, that's crap." It just will it like ruin your, you know, the the love and the feel that you had for the originals or? It's almost like, it's almost like you know when people make movies out from books and you go and the books much better, you know the movies just fucking ruined it. I was as we were talking there, and I was trying to think of a, a remaster game that I really liked, um, and the only one I could think of that really kind of stood out for me is probably the Final Fantasy VII uh, remake. Obviously, when when it comes out on PC and it comes on uh, on on Xbox, and if, if everyone else gets a chance to play, it. and if you if you love the game as much as I did. Was, I think we all loved that game, to be fair. There was one thing about that game that was really good. Um, when I played the game on PS1, the scale never seemed as big as it was in the remake, and it, it really added something to it, because it would, like, you would get to certain scenes that I, I specifically remembered from the PS1 version, and I'd get there in the remake. And because it, it just felt like it, it was done correct. Like, you, like after the... Spoiler alerts! No spoiler alert. The bit where you're sitting on the slide. I know that sounds ridiculous, and the slide's yeah, got like yeah. this this weird face on it. And then that happens in the remake, and it was like, oh my god, that's all. When you get to like 
Cornolio's Love Palace or whatever the hell it is. And you're like, and you're like, oh my God. In the original games, you don't get the opportunity to look up. But in the remake, you get the opportunity to look up and that adds a completely different scale to the game that I didn't notice. Because the original had um, painted 2D backgrounds, mm. but it was a game with lots of perceived height, but it wasn't it wasn't seeing height you could see. Yeah. Like mm. Midgar is like levels. Yeah. And even like with the towers and stuff, even Wu, um, Wu Tai. I don't think it would have been able to handle the draw distances or nah, anything like that. not at all. But like when you went into the outside world, you could see the height. But when you were inside the world, so I think because of the you know, obviously the limitations of the hardware at the time and the way it was art, like done, the backgrounds are all static drawings um, that moved as you moved around them. Like you just moved across this drawing background, but you can't get depth and you can't get height with that. So obviously with the new technology, they've been able to do that. Okay. And then that's the thing as well is like you have to remember that to make a game successful nowadays, it needs to be of a certain way. So, like, you couldn't just re-release a game. It has to be graphically overhauled. And then at the same time, if they were to graphically overhaul it, do they then have to change part of the gameplay? Because you know, the, I think I saw an example online the other day about they did a HD remake of Silent Hill. Um, and it lost a lot of its appeal because the fog wasn't there. Oh, the fog wasn't there. And the fog was there to hide the draw distance issues. The draw distance, exactly. So the draw yeah, distance yeah, yeah. was so poor, they put the fog in around you to keep you kind of in this level of fidelity, which was fine. And it also added suspense, but that was just an added bonus. So when they released this remaster, they removed the fog and then you realize the textures were really bland. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of <laughs> lost a lot in, in that translation. So... And, you know, if you release a game now where Snake's not got a face like in Metal Gear 1, even though I'm sure when I played that game, he had a face. And now when you look back at it, he doesn't. So it's the he doesn't. Man, massive <laughs> Mandela effect there, right? Just potato. But, um, you couldn't do that because kids wouldn't want to play the game. So it wouldn't be marketable. Mm. So then, you know, the developers wouldn't bother because the amount of effort they have to put into putting a face on him, making him look pretty throughout the entirety of the game. Uh, they'd have to put so much money into it just to sell it. It might not sell enough, and then you know, it, I don't know. It's a it's a risky business, isn't it? When he was probably he was probably the only character I could create in iDarb that was actually realistic. Yeah, because he had no face. Yeah. <laughs> no face. <laughs> I think Rob was right about it holding a, a specific place within each individual's gaming history as well. Like whenever I think of Mario sixty four, like I remember when I first played Mario sixty four and being like. This, this is what next generation gaming is. Now, you look at that compared to what we have nowadays. Um, Mario Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't remake the game, and I wouldn't think the same, but at that moment in time, anybody who played Mario 64 when it first came out knew that that was a complete and utter change in gaming landscape, as in how they were going to set up platform games. It went from 2D to all of a sudden you had these hub worlds. And if when you think about that, Mario was probably the first game to do that, to have... To have a hub world, you jump into paintings, you go into other worlds, you have multiple missions within one level. Um, mm. But would it work as a remake? I, I don't know. Um, so yeah, maybe sometimes better to leave uh, Sleeping Dogs live. And so, but in some cases, it does work really well. 
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode five of the Real Gaming Squadcast. Next week, we'll be talking about gaming news, uh, and the topic that we will discuss as well will be graphic fidelity and whether studios are too focused on that over substance and whether it actually sells games. I've been your host, a deity, and I've also been joined by Guilty Grey. Goodbye, all. G.I. Josie. See you later. And King Costy. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye, everyone. Hot topic. Jason! Jason! <laughs> Costi, what was yours? Tell us. (sighs) Oh, okay. Hi guys, I'm King Costi and welcome to episode 5 of the Raven Gaming Squadcast. Today we'll be going through the news and discussing game franchises in need of a reboot. But first, let me introduce you to the rest of the team. Making his return after a week away, my Hispanic hombre, back in the hacienda. He's here, he's there, he's probably on a scooter. Ladies and gentlemen, it's G.I. Jose. I haven't got the scooter anymore. Oh, you haven't? No, he's over it. So how am I going to segue into our next colleague? Michael Jackson, the king of pop, once said, it doesn't matter if you're black or white, but for our next member, that rule need not apply. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Grey. <laughs> That's actually very good. <laughs> okay. Interesting fact about Grey. In secondary school, he was voted most likely to be killed by bullshit hitboxes. <laughs> That's, that shocking. That's shockingly accurate. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> And and last, by no means least, fighting out of the red corner, weighing in at 397 pounds of raw muscle and meat, <laughs> the Sarah Jessica Parker of our group, because he's always getting carried. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's a deity. Oh my God. He's actually quite good. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> um, I, got, <laughs> I got a chance to sit down with the deity earlier, have a little chat. Apparently he's thinking about going into wholesale. I'm oh, sorry, no, my autocorrect <laughs> fucked up there. He's thinking about eating a whole seal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Because he's a stand up comic now. What's happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I don't know what's happened. What has happened? When did Costi become funny? <laughs> yeah, that was it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, okay. I'm in tears, man. That's fucking mad. Jesus oh. Christ. Oh, that was too good.